Hello folks, this is Gary Washburn with the second edition of the Washburn Files, our bi-weekly podcast talking about the Celtics, the NBA, happenings in Boston, and various other things uh, that we're going to touch on throughout the year. And I'm excited about this opportunity. Um, it's been a long time coming for me to have a podcast, and I hope you uh, liked and enjoyed the first edition of the Washburn Files. And this is edition number two, and there's a lot to talk about. A lot has happened in the last week, especially in the NBA, and most of it, folks, hasn't been on the floor. It's been off the floor. It's been with COVID. It's been with the how the NBA deals with this COVID situation. And let's go back to the NBA bubble, where the NBA set an example for other professional sports leagues and other companies, for that matter, on how to deal with this COVID-19 in preparing the bubble, ensuring that everyone was safe. I spent three months in the bubble, and I must say it was the safest environment we could have possibly been in. A daily, uh, re- our daily regimen was... One, get up in the morning and take your own temperature and your oxygen saturation. We had a thing that we stuck our finger into that would give us our oxygen numbers. Secondly, we had to get tested every day. Um, Every day, and if you did not get tested per day, you were not allowed into any of the facilities. So in order to work, you had to test. Um, There were no no positive tests throughout our experience. Um, Everyone had to follow the same protocol whether it be the barbers at the bubble, the players, the officials, uh, the official game scores. We all had to follow the same protocol and everything worked out so well because it was such a safe environment. We all knew that this was going to change when the NBA decided to resume its season in the real world, right? Outside of the bubble where everything isn't controlled, where everything isn't monitored, where everyone isn't taking their temperature every day, where everyone isn't getting tested every day. We knew that this was going to be a difficult situation for the NBA to go through its season unimpeded. Now, in baseball, we had the Miami Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals miss multiple games, a week or so of games, and they were able to catch those up, but miss games because of covid uh, positive COVID tests in their in their dugout and contract contact tracing. The NFL had postponed a couple of games, but they're able to finish a full season for the same situation. Positive COVID tests. And if you haven't been following, the Boston Celtics have now canceled or postponed two games because of COVID testing. The Sunday game against the Miami Heat, which really wasn't the Celtics' fault. The Celtics. But despite having positive tests by Robert Williams and Jason Tatum, the Celtics were going to be able to field an eight-man team, which no one envies. They don't want to field an eight-man team, but they were going to have enough players to meet the minimum of eight required to play the game against the Heat, except the Heat only had seven players. Avery Bradley, former Celtic, was put in uh, to protocol, but obviously there were some others that the league has not released. And we just found out that the Celtics game against the Chicago Bulls was canceled uh, because obviously now it could be that another Celtic player is in protocol for potential contact tracing. This goes back to 
the Celtics' trip to Miami. Let's start there. Okay, last week they were able to beat Toronto on the road in Tampa and beat Miami at American Airlines Arena. Two good wins for the team, but things have they haven't played since that win. They haven't played since Friday uh, against Washington because of these positive tests. Now, what I've been told was that Robert Williams, center, Trishan Thompson, Grant Williams, and Carson Edwards were in a car together. It could have been an Uber, could have been a a minivan, a town car to take them to and from practice. It could have been to go get something to eat because the players are allowed to do that. They were in a car together, and the only one who wore a mask during this time was Carson Edwards. Robert Williams, the big man and who's had a lot of bad luck, and if you're going to choose anyone on this roster who would test positive for COVID because of his bad luck, it was going to be Robert Williams And it happened. He tested positive for COVID-19. So with contact tracing, the Celtics examined Trishan Thompson, Grant Williams, and Carson Edwards. Because Edwards had his mask on, he was not a risk. He was cleared to play Friday against the Wizards, while Trishan Thompson and Grant Williams were held out along with Robert Williams. Those guys should be back Friday Um, considering that they won't be able to play Wednesday because they were put into quarantine on Wednesday. So they will be back potentially for Friday's game against the Orlando Magic if that game is played. Williams is in the 10 to 14 day uh, quarantine because he tested positive. So fast forward to Friday, the Celtics play a competitive game against the Wizards. They lead by as many as 28. The Wizards cut the lead to four, which has been the Celtics' Uh, bugaboo over the last few years, blowing big leads. And finally, uh, the the team tested before that game and right before that game. So they tested Friday morning and again Friday evening. They had two tests that day. Jason Tatum tested negative Friday morning, but ended up testing positive Friday evening, he found out about it Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning, and that's when kind of hell broke loose. Um, several more players, including Jalen Brown, Javante Green, who already missed some time this year with COVID protocol, and Simeolajale were placed in protocol because of their connection with Tatum. And now the Celtics are down to eight players, and it's going to be likely seven or fewer because they weren't able to play Tuesday because someone else obviously was placed into protocol. Remember, folks, the league does not release these names. They don't release names of positive tests. You have to go and find out who tests positive. The league is not, because of several rules and privacy laws, et cetera, are not going to release the names. They're going to release the number of players who tested negative, and last week it was four, but they're not going to give names out. So Tatum is the one who tested positive. Tatum is the one who has to set out 10 to 14 days. So I think the soonest he can come back is likely January 25th against the Bulls. And then uh, the Celtics will just have to move forward with the players that they have. Um, When they are allowed to play, they play their schedule for a game Wednesday night against the Orlando Magic here in Boston. We will see if that game will be played um, or if there's any changes or anyone 
uh, is cleared to play to give them eight men to be able to play. Because remember, Robert Williams is not obviously available. He's still in protocol. Same with Grant and Tristan Thompson. They're, they'll be in their final few days of quarantine before they're allowed to come out and play, which is sounds like a kid's game. But at this point, that's the way it is. What should the league do? Should the league, there's been suggestions, the league should just postpone the season at this point. Take two weeks off, get everybody healthy, and then get back to playing. Is that the right move? The league financially does not want to stop games for two weeks. That's TV money. That's pushing the schedule back. Remember, folks, the Olympics is starting in July. There's the, the NBA does not want to have its finals bumping into the Olympics. That's just a bad idea. That's bad for business. The, the, the world's focus is going to shift to the Olympic Games. Believe it or not, as we know, the Olympic Games was postponed for a year. So this is something that, that, that people have been waiting now five years for. Remember, the last Olympic Games, Summer Olympic Games, was 2016 in Rio. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but that was five almost five years ago now. So... The public has been waiting for the Olympic Games. The NBA does not want its finals to bump into the Olympic Games. And they've already uh, pushed their season as far back as they'd like to in order for it not to intersect with the Olympic Games. And number two, to give their players the option of playing in the Olympic Games. That's not the league's main priority. I asked uh, Commissioner Adam Silver that question a week ago on a conference call, and he said, listen, this is not... NBA players playing the Olympics is not our priority. That's FIBA's issue, USA Basketball's issue, but we'd like to give them the window, the opportunity to play. Now, they're not going to push LeBron and Curry to go to Japan. Of course they would like to. Of course their shoe companies would like that. Of course USA Basketball wants the best 12 players in the world, the USA players in the world, to play in Tokyo for the gold as opposed to second-rate players, D-leaguers, or sorry, G-leaguers, um, guys who might, college guys, they want the best of the best, but let's, that's going to be a tough decision for guys, uh, especially guys aging, the Currys, the LeBrons. Does LeBron want to play in one last Olympics? You would assume he wouldn't play in 2024, He'll be 40, but you never know. LeBron could be still the best player in the league at 40 and could be uh, the Olympic MVP at age 40 if he really puts his mind to it. But he'll be, I think he'll, sorry, he'll be 39 by the uh, games, I think, in Paris 2024. So the league does not want to push back its schedule. And as long as teams can field eight players, the league is going to continue. Remember in the NFL where the Denver Broncos had to uh, sign some dude off the practice squad and to be their quarterback because all their quarterbacks were quarantining and contract tracing were held out, and they had to play a brother who literally had just played quarterback in college. Like, I mean, it was that bad. But the, the NFL, you know, did not postpone the game. They said, you're going to have to find somebody to play quarterback. Because the game against the Saints, you're going to play it. And that is your fault, your team, teams and organizations' fault for not having contract tact tracing and being safe with your quarterbacks to where you have them all in one room. That's the Broncos' fault. The NBA doesn't feel as strongly about blaming teams. However, 
if they feel like, listen, most NBA games are played, competitive games are played with eight, nine, ten players at max. So teams can get by playing with eight players. It's not what they prefer to have happen. The other night, the other day, sorry, when the Nuggets played the Sixers was a sham. I mean, the Sixers had to play seven players. They pulled out Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to injury because they just didn't want them playing in such situations where they had to log 45 minutes. So they played guys like Tyrese Maxey, who's a good rookie, but Maxey scored 39 points. I mean, he's played 44 minutes. He scored 39 points. He was Michael Jordan out there because they the Sixers didn't have anybody else. And, of course, they lost the game. The league does not want that. That's a parody of games. That's the, you do not, do not want that. But then again, they're not going to postpone the season. They're going to meet the player association and the, and the owners to decide some stipulations, increased stipulations for stopping or curtailing, I want to not say stop, positive COVID tests. Because at this point, something's going wrong off the floor. What I've learned from the league was this, and people can argue with me however they want. I'm not a league doctor, but this the league is saying that basically, hey, players can't catch COVID from each other on the floor. Now, I don't know if that's the case, but you have to have exposure according to the CBC rules and what the NBA is following for 15, you have to be within six, someone six feet for 15 minutes. According to the NBA's uh, spec, second spectrum and their you know, analytic team, the longest that players are exposed to each other within six feet in an NBA game is five total minutes. Obviously, you have the 24-second clock. Guys, it looks like guys are guarding each other for 10, 20 seconds. But if you add all those 10, 20 seconds up, the max you're going to get from two guys really defending each other is five total minutes for exposure. So they feel as if the issue is off the floor. Who the players are exposed to off the floor, their families, their kids, friends coming over, maybe having dinner, a maskless dinner, thinking, hey, everything is safe here. Remember, Jason Tatum tested positive. Bradley Beal was held out of a game the next night against the Miami Heat because I think or I was told or believed that he met with Tatum. Obviously, they're both from St. Louis. Uh, Beal is Tatum's mentor. Um, they've, they've grown clo very close over the years. Um, they had a lot of fun out there playing against each other in Friday's game between the Wizards and the Celtics. But Beal and Tatum likely met and visited for a while. And then you go to Beal and probably admits that, hey, yeah, we went to dinner and we were together for more than 15 minutes and we were maskless, although we were socially distanced or we might have been six feet away from each other. But, hey, we were we were hanging out for an hour. So Beal was held out. I think he's going to return to play. I don't think there was any issues after the one game um, sitting out with Bradley Beal. So the, the NBA has to figure out how they can be more stringent on these rules in terms of having players fraternize with each other, with their families. They're going to have to set some really strong rules here because this, 
as we know, and had been predicted by Dr. Fauci and many other medical experts, the holidays were going to cause an outbreak. People, people are going to get together. They're going to have 20, 30 people in the house. They're going to have big dinners. They're going to have get-togethers, even though they might be masked, even though they're quote-unquote socially distanced. They were going to get together, and they were going to have parties, fun, etc. And obviously, if you saw in some videos on, on Twitter, YouTube, whatever, there were some people living real dangerously during the holidays in terms of having uh, maskless, you know, spread parties pretty much. But you can't blame the players for wanting to have family time and then maybe finding out that an aunt or a cousin or something tested positive later on. And we don't know. That's the situation. That might have been the situation with Javante Green where he might have um, had contact with someone who was positive and then was held out. Don't think that Devontae tested positive. I think he had contact with someone who was, so he, he had to uh, sit out. So what should the league do? The league's just going to have to be stringent on these rules, and they're just going to have to hope that this thing passes through, that the vaccine gets more distri better distributed, and that you know we can go on with the season and, and hopefully for... for uh, the NBA's case, not have any more postponed games and not have many more positive tests. That's crossing your fingers, though. Let's be honest. This is an unpredictable virus. No one knows how you really get it besides being around someone. You don't know. We, we, there's so many things just we don't know. And so it's hard for me to believe that all the players who tested positive were just being frivolous and dangerous. It could have been a situation where it was a a, a fluke thing for them to catch it. So the NBA is not going to avoid more positive tests. That's that's out of the question. But what they can do is they can try to ensure that these players are safer off the floor. How many player, people can they have in their hotel room at a time on the road? We have to ask ourselves that. What can they do on the road? Can they actually go to dinner? Um, do they have to, you know, are they wearing their masks? All these things. Players are going to have to be more careful. Coaches, assistants, strength and conditioning coaches, etc. are all going to have to be more careful about this situation because right now it's a real issue. And the Celtics are going to have to make up these two games. They're 7-3 and three in the East. They had just won their third in a row. They had played... Um, they, sorry, their fourth in a row. They had played well. They've been playing pretty well. There's some, some ups and downs. But... Anytime you win four games in a row, it's a good thing. Your team is heading in the right direction. There's Brooklyn struggling. Philadelphia's had its ups and downs. Milwaukee's not quite right yet. So this is a chan chance for the Celtics to pick up some games, create some space in the Eastern Conference, and get themselves together, and then you get Kimba Walker back. But now here comes the coronavirus, and here comes missing Jason Tatum, for two weeks, and Tatum, who was just named on Monday the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. So <laughs> congratulations to Jason. He's somewhere in quarantine, like, what the hell? Uh, now I get Eastern Conference Player of the Week. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully he's staying safe and his family's safe. But um, the Celtics are just going to have to move forward. So how do they move forward? Let's talk about that. Um, they're down to eight players. They might play Wednesday against Orlando. We'll see. That game hasn't been decided yet. But uh, they need Grant Williams and Trishan Thompson back, that's for sure. But what can they do with the roster that they have? And that's an interesting question because if you look at the Celtics roster, 
it's young and it's small, okay? Um, you still have Marcus Smart here. You still have Peyton Pritchard. You still have Daniel Tice, um, Carson Edwards, Taco Fall, um, Aaron, rookie Aaron Neesmith. Um, Jeff Teague is still there. Tremont Waters is still there. And that's it, okay? So you <laughs> of of the eight players that are there, You've got five foot eleven Carson Edwards. You got five foot ten Tremont Waters, and you got six foot three uh, on a good day Jeff Teague. Um, that's small, okay. And that's your backcourt. So you're gonna have to put Marcus as a, like a three or a four, and he's used to playing against bigger guys. You're gonna have to get major minutes from Aaron Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard who's 6'2", by the way, is another small guy. Um, and you're going to have to have a lot of Taco Fall and Daniel Tice. Um, it's just it's a tough situation. Um, privately, do the Celtics hope that they're, you know, they can get a couple of more days? Maybe Wednesday's game gets suspended so they can be ready for Friday and get two guys back? I'm sure that that's probably something that they hope for that, so they won't have to play with these eight guys. But this might open up an opportunity for some guys to get some major minutes and get some experience. It's still early in the season. The Celtics are 10 games in. They're 7-3. and three. They need to see what they can get from a guy like Aaron Neesmith, Carson Edwards, who has gotten some minutes in the last couple of games. He, he played, he made a surprise appearance at a game in Detroit some meaningful minutes. He got some first quarter minutes uh, against the Heat at Miami. So is he improved? Um, it's tough to say. Um, obviously, he's gained more trust from Brad Stevens. I think that's a good sign. Um, you, like, you root for Carson because he was such a prolific scorer at Purdue. I mean, this guy could put the ball in the hoop. That classic uh, conference game, the sorry, conference, NCAA tournament game um, against Tennessee, a Sweet 16 game that, you know, obviously was Grant Williams was in that game and took the L. Um, the, the points he put up against Virginia um, in that game to go to the Final Four, Car uh, Carson was amazing in that game. So this is a guy who can put the ball in the hoop. And at the college level, at the NBA level, not so much. So, so, so far this season, he's played in four games that I think is probably more than people thought he would play. He's six for 15 from the field, one for five from the three-point line, 13 total points in his uh, total minutes. Now, nothing to write home about, but I think it was a good sign for Carson that Brad Stevens put him into these games early. It's like you got to get it done. I mean, this is your second year. You watched for the first year. You struggled at times for the first year. Let's see what Carson Edwards can do. Can he can he consistently score at the NBA level? Because he's not in the game for his defense. He's not going to run the offense as a point guard. He's in there to put points on the board. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I'm the Celtics, this is an opportunity to see what you have in Carson Edwards. Aaron Neesmith, another guy 
who I feel like is someone that they could get a good look at during this time. Um, Neesmith has struggled. I mean, it's it's not it's interesting. Neesmith was supposed to be the more NBA ready guy than Peyton Pritchard. Pritchard was a guy that people didn't really know much about. Neesmith was a guy that was the classic shooter coming out of Vanderbilt, a guy who could maybe come off the bench. Now, if you look at someone in Detroit, I got a chance for two games to see Sadiq Bay, the Villanova kid who's now a rookie with the Pistons. Sadiq can shoot, okay? Like, he came into the league as a shooter, and he looked very fluid, very smooth in his three-point attempts against the Celtics. Not saying he's making all of them, but he looks like comfortable shooting the ball. Now, even though players are scorers at the college level does not mean they're shooters. Carson Edwards was a scorer at the NCAA level. He has not proven yet to be a shooter. The Celtics were hoping that Neesmith would be that guy who could come into the game and hit, hit knock down an open three. Because if he plays with their lineup healthy with a Kimball Walker or Jason Tabe and Jalen Brown, he gets on the floor, he's going to get open shots. Okay, so far, three games, he's at average of 2.7 points, three for 12 from the field, two for nine from the three-point line. That's not enough of a sample size to make any type of determination on Aaron Neesmith. 12 shots for the season so far, two for nine from three. He's had a lot of open looks. He's missed him. Could be jitters. Remember, Neesmith didn't play for 10 months because he was injured and missed the final two months. This kid just turned 21 years old in October. So it would be good for the Celtics to give him some extended time. And it's early enough to where these games aren't going to cost them dearly. And it could help them down the road to have an Aaron Neesmith and Carson Edwards get some quality minutes. The other night, we saw our man, Taco Fall, get quality minutes. He played 19 minutes. Now, no one would have assumed when they saw Taco, when he first got to Boston, he would play 19 seconds. He just wasn't ready. In the college, remember, well, he played high-level basketball at Central Florida. Yes, he did. But remember, the college rules are different. There's no defensive three seconds. Taco could live in the lane in college. Taco wasn't out there chasing three-point shooters who were fives. He was staying in the lane, blocking shots, affecting other shots, being a rim protector, rebounder. And, and so it, the college game worked really good for him because of his skill set. The NBA, you can't be a stiff. You, can't, you have to be in great shape. You have, and, and that's what uh, Taco has done, worked on his body. You have to have good endurance. And you have to have the skill set. You have to be able to run out and affect a shot. You have to be able to run the floor, run the pick and roll. And those 19 minutes that Taco played, I thought he was impressive. You know, four points, uh, eight rebounds, a couple of three block shots. Like, he was a factor. He looked like he belonged. Now, is he ever going to be an NBA all-star? Is he ever going to be a superstar in this league? No. But is he? can he contribute to a team? Yes, he can. And I think that's why the Celtics have worked so feverishly with him over the last year and a half to get him to this level. Let's be honest, though. Okay, Taco is a box office attraction. People want to see 
Taco in the game. It started from Summer League. I remember when he first got to Summer League, the minute he walked into the game, the crowd started going crazy, cheering for him, chanting Taco, going nuts every time he pulled down a rebound, let alone score a basket. He, people love Taco. Taco loves people. Everybody loves Taco. We all root for him in terms of if you're just a, a fan of a guy who's 7'5", let's be honest, you have to live life as a 7'5 guy every day. I mean, just imagine that. You, you get up in the morning and you're just not the average guy. You're 7'5". Everywhere you go, people are going to say how tall you are. I mean, don't you think Taco gets tired of being told how tall he is? Don't you, do you have to say it to him in, at, at Walgreens, at Whole Foods? Do you have to walk up to Taco and tell him he's tall? I think Taco knows that. But he deals with it like a champ. Because you know there's going to be kids, and most, and I don't blame kids, it's the adults. Like, let the man eat his dinner, let the man, you know, you don't have to walk up and ask how tall he is. Or look at him like he's a skyscraper, or look at him like he's crazy or he's a freak. Taco's a regular guy. He has, he's a regular, he's one of, you know, he's a good guy. And the way he deals with the attention he receives, I think, has been remarkable. And I think that's one of the reasons the Celtics signed him, because he's a box office attraction. He's, he was going to put butts in the seats in, Maine, in Portland, Maine, okay, because... You want to fill that arena. If you're going to play in a city like Portland, Maine, you want to fill the arena for the G League team, Taco, people want to see Taco play. People are going to drive from 30 or 40 miles to see Taco play 40 minutes of a G League game. Yes, they are. So it's good if you're a Celtic fan for the faithful to see Taco and his hard work pay off. He's worked a lot <clears throat> with assistant coach Jim Jay Laranega. And on his, I mean, I've seen it, three-point shooting, coming off the pick and roll, things that you never would envision, but he's improved. He's got to improve his free throw shooting because he's going to get fouled at times, and he's going to draw a lot of fouls. There was one play against the Wizards where he stood straight up. Bradley Bill tried to dunk on him. Bradley Bill lost that battle. Bradley Bill went straight to the floor. Taco stood up with his hands up, foul on Taco. That's right. It wasn't really a foul, but when you run into a 7-6 guy, you're not having so much sympathy for the 7-6 guy. If you run into the brick wall, you're not asking the brick wall, are you okay? You're asking the person who ran into the brick wall. So I think it's a critical time for the Celtics to try to give some of these guys some minutes. And they might be forced in that situation depending on what happens with Wednesday's, Wednesday's game against Orlando. And then Friday's game against Orlando should be a real goal because then you'll have Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson available to play. And another topic is what kind of effect does have taking a week or two off have on Tatum and potentially Jalen Brown? Does it, is this good? Remember, these guys are young. You could Tatum doesn't turn 23 until March. You could say, well, these guys are young. Hey, throw them out there for 45 minutes. They don't need rest. But these guys just played in the NBA bubble. They had a very short offseason, and they're playing major minutes once the season resumes. Could Tatum, and remember, Tatum's got kind of a, a balky, balky knee. Like Tatum put, you know, he is not 100% healthy. Okay, I'll say that. 
He doesn't complain about injuries, but he's not 100% healthy. So could this time do his body some good in the middle of the season? It could. Could he come back with a vengeance, mad at, him, mad at COVID, mad that, that he had to miss two weeks? Because remember, he's just named player of the week. So he's getting attention from the league for his exploits, and now he has to sit out. Same with Jalen Brown. This might be a benefit for the Celtics to get their guys some rest, get their guys two weeks off. Remember, they can't even practice with the team, unfortunately, either. Um, they can't be around. Uh, they're in quarantine. So will they have a court access? Uh, we'll see. I don't know if they can even go to a court. That could be a, uh, a detriment, but they've de they're definitely going to get some rest during this time. So the Celtics were in better shape, I think, than the last we talked when they were about to face the Raptors. They beat up on the Raptors. The Raptors are in real trouble. Um, you know, they just lost to Golden State last night. They got another game. They're they're one and two on their West Coast road trip. They're two and eight. Uh, and that's tough in the East because there's so many teams battling at this point that you just can't fall behind like that. Although five, six, seven game winning streak will get them back in it. So don't count the Raptors out yet. But that was a good quality win for the Celtics considering that they fell behind early, I think 23 to 10. And, and, and Toronto looked like the Raptors we've seen over the years, hitting the threes, just beating the Celtics to the punch, being better than suddenly at stop. The Celtics went on a real run, led by 15 at halftime, and then went on to cruise to a victory in Tampa um, and beating, and then coming back two nights later and beating the Heat. That, I thought that was a quality victory. The Heat aren't quite right. Jimmy Butler isn't quite right. Uh, they're still trying to figure some things out. But I, And I don't like the whole revenge factor from the bubble. Two different teams, two different mentalities. But I think it was important for the Celtics to prove that they can win in Miami. You know, they led by as many as 17 in the first half. And it has been their history. As we talked about the Washington game, they lost the lead. Then were able to rally to take a 10-point lead late and then blew that, but then scored uh, the game winner on Peyton Pritchard's layup with 0.4 seconds left. Was they were able to get out of Miami alive, well, and with a victory. And I think that was uh, impressive for the Celtics considering that they were on the last game of a four-game road trip. They were playing on the road, obviously, circumstances, playing a team that had their number, and they were able to come back uh, from blowing a 10-point lead and come back from blowing a 17-point lead earlier. So if you're the Celtics, those are two good victories to come back home, beat the Wizards. The Wizards are not a bad team. They're just kind of, they can't defend anyone. They're a mess right now on defense. But the Celtics were able to build a big lead, almost blew it because the, the, the Wizards played tremendous defense during the second half. Credit, I was looking at that game in person, and what, the Celtics just had trouble scoring. Like, they could not score against a focused Wizards defense. So the defense thing for the Wizards, it's, it's in them, but it's not consistent. But that was a good victory. So you improve the 73, now all hell breaks loose. So the Celtics are just going to have to weather this COVID storm. They're going to have to play the players that they're given, um... People asking, well, can they add more players? No, there 
already at the 17-player limit. And if they can field eight players, they're going to play. So they can't add two more players unless the league decides to expand the rosters to 19 potentially, which makes give 60 more jobs to team. To, to I'm sure the player association would like uh, to create 60 more jobs, two more maybe two-way spots or another two-way spot, another roster spot to where some of these guys like a Jamal Crawford, like an Isaiah Thomas who are, who are on the cusp of making an NBA roster but haven't gotten that call, might get a call and might be an addition to a roster. But until then, the Celtics are going to have to play with the players on their roster unless they make some type of move. At this point, you're not going to waive anybody because you you're such a have such a shortage of players unless you have a real impact player that you can sign right away who's going to help. And also remember, any of these guys who come off the street to play f- for any NBA team is going to have to quarantine. You just can't sign on Friday, play Friday night. That ain't happening no more. You're going to have to quarantine seven days. So even if, let's say, Isaiah Thomas comes to a team or Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith, or Deion Waiters, they're going to have to quarantine for a week, then go and play. So... This is a lot of limitations on NBA teams. They're just trying to weather the storm. There's going to be, in my opinion, more games where there's going to be these, some of these eight-man rosters, and you're going to have legitimate NBA star, big-time NBA stars missing games and sitting out, and guys who literally came out of the off the street, off the scrap heap, second-round picks, rookie free agents playing major NBA minutes. This is the sport, and this is the world of sports now. This is just the way it is. And no one can, I think we're all lucky to have NBA basketball at this point because the league could easily say, hey, we're not going to play this year. Um, A lot of sports can. We have a national championship football game that was played. Um, They completed the college football season. Some teams opted out. Other teams played. My Cal players played exactly four games, and that was their season. Four big games. And other teams are able to play 12 and 13 games. So this is the way the sports world goes. Some of your favorite teams are just not going to look familiar. And we're just, as sports fans, um, just going to have to deal with it. That's the way it is. Um, if I'm uh, the Celtics, you just try to, you have to weather the storm, get Tatum healthy. Let's wish for the all the best for Tatum and those other guys. You know, COVID is no joke. It's killed 350 Million people, sorry, I'm sorry for that, folks. 350,000 people. Um, it is a dangerous, dangerous disease. So you can't assume everybody's gonna come back healthy. Look at the kid from Florida who had the issues. Uh, Mr. Johnson, he, hey, I'm glad he's back, but we have to be um, very, very aware of this illness. And we can't just assume that. All these guys are going to come back 100% healthy. They might have lingering effects from it, and we have to respect that. And this is not the flu, right? So um, we're going to wrap that up here. The Celtics, we don't know the next time they're going to play, um, but we'll still have lots to talk about on our next podcast. We'll start having special guests in. Uh, I wish I had more hoops to talk about. I wish I had more on-the-floor stuff to talk about. But this just seems like the time to discuss the COVID issues in this league. And hopefully the Celtics make it out okay. And uh, other teams and 
we'll see what happens. We'll see what the league does in terms of uh, maybe applying new rules and restrictions to players to maybe prevent these positive tests. But for now, this is the way it is. This is our sports world. The NBA still uh, exists and it's going to keep going. And we will going to continue to talk about it. So great to uh, talk to you guys. You guys have a good sports week. And we will talk to you on our next podcast, our next edition of The Washburn Files.